1: Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Yes, this is a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. Here's what that means. Primarily, we focus on comedy and creating comedy and how to do that. But if you are an artist or creator of any kind, I think you can still learn from the process that is described by the guests that we have on that are primarily comedians. However, some are musicians, like today's guest is a musician, and we talk about a lot of fun stuff, including touring and things like that. And I think if you're a comedian, you can get a lot from this discussion because we're talking about things that are a shared experience between musicians and comedians. So, good podcast episode to listen to and if you are not a comedian you still can gain something from the old episodes and this one so thank you for listening thank you for giving it a try i want to talk about something that is bugging me right now something i'm seeing on social media that's really annoying me no it is not about Sean Spicer being on the emmys um i'm torn about that cuz on the one hand Political figures, even if they're polarizing, being on a comedy show, not a new thing. Smash cut to Nixon on Laugh-In. Suck it to me? (laughs) I don't know if you get that reference, but nevertheless, I'm still not talking about that particular instance uh, or how annoying Sean Spicer might be. Uh, I'm going to talk about something else, and it's bad Instagram comedy. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you haven't. Here's what I'm talking about when I talk about bad Instagram comedy. I'm not talking about Instagram comedy in general. I'm talking about a specific portion of that comedy world on Instagram that is bad. And it's bad because it's not well constructed. It's not thought out. It's not produced well. It's overproduced uh, in many cases. It's Poorly acted or overacted and it's just not good. It's just not good and it can be bad. That's fine. But what annoys me, what I want to rant about are the people who are of that ilk, who are bad in that way, who happen to have some success. They just have a bunch of followers on Instagram and they act like they're conquering the world and they just got lucky. They just put stuff out on Instagram like anybody else does. And then they're calling themselves CEOs. I've seen that. Someone called themselves a CEO. And what do they have? They have an Instagram account and they have a YouTube account. Do you know how many people have an Instagram account and or a YouTube account? The number's out there. I don't know. Maybe you know. But my point is, it's bad... And yet they're arrogant about it. And they're arrogant just because of the ego of saying, well, I have a lot of followers. I have millions of followers. And then you look at their videos and they're not funny and they don't have that many likes. (laughs) So I'm just like, "Well, how can you talk like you're so special? It's just annoying. It annoys me. And, uh, you know, you would think I'd get off of Instagram, but... I'm not. I'm going to stay on. I'm going to hate watch the bad comedy. And I'm going to love the good comedy and the musicians. Which brings me to today's guest. Today's guest is a musician from New Zealand. Her name is Emily C. Browning. And I found out about her from Instagram. And she is one of the people doing Instagram right, okay? She is not going on there and putting a couple of things up that's not really strong, and then talking a big game about how great she is, right? Uh, That's what some of these bad Instagrammers are doing. Which, by the way, be weary of anybody who is putting out a bad product, got lucky, and is still doing well, yet they are talking a big game. Good people put in the effort, not in... Branding themselves or talking a big game, good, legit people put in work at their craft, at their artistry, at getting better. And the byproduct of that hard work, the pieces of work that they put out, that's what they put out. And they let that speak for itself. That's the right way to do it. That's what Emily's doing. Emily has trained, she's good. She puts out original videos on YouTube. She puts out stuff on Instagram of her playing. And it's good. And it's great. And I saw it and I was like, oh, I'm going to start following her. She's so good. And she was going to take a trip from New Zealand all the way to New York City. And I said, well, I got to go see this show. And it was a great time. And we talk about that. We talk about touring. We talk about her music, and we talk about New Zealand, and it's a really fun chat, and I hope you enjoy it. Here is my discussion with Emily C. Browning. Okay, you're in New Zealand. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I, My previous knowledge to New Zealand was that Lord of the Rings was shot there. Yes. And, um, and Fight of the Concords. and that's yes. the extent.
0: <laughs> oh, the well, Lord is from here, too.
1: Uh, who is? Oh, Lord! Yes, Lord is. Lord is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's three um, things that I knew about this, New Zealand.
0: I mean, there's more stuff, but that's the oh, the the things that the you know most people need to know. I'm a dumb
1: American, and uh, <laughs> so I don't know all the like these great things that there are to know about New Zealand. <laughs> um, I did meet somebody who's, I think, from New Zealand. And I uh, was a little wrong about her accent and thought, oh, are you from Australia? And that didn't go over well.
0: No, that doesn't usually go down well. For me, I'm usually a little bit lenient because um, it's not its not as if you guys are surrounded by Australian and New Zealand accents. So it's kind of fair enough for you to get that mixed up. Right. <laughs> but, um, but sometimes I get... Uh, messages from people saying oh how is it down in australia and it's
1: like
0: <laughs> 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 close but not quite it's so so close over. <laughs>
1: uh, um yeah i mean people don't know uh <laughs> people need to learn you need to tell it's us
0: all right out. yeah but new zealand is literally surrounded by water in the middle of nowhere so i mean it's
1: right. it's cool <laughs> okay. have you lived there your whole life
0: yeah um most of my life so i grew up here and um in my city called Christchurch, um, mm-hmm. just in a little small town a little bit north of here called Kaipoi, and um, spent most of my life here. Apart from six months when I did actually move to Australia, and I did pick up a little bit of an Australian accent while I was over there,
1: so it was uh, kind of
0: funny uh, back here. And then um, people going, "You sound different,"
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, but
0: yeah, that born and bred here.
1: You know, it's so you're you're from Christchurch, New Zealand. Yes. That's funny to me only because when I hear Christchurch, I'm from uh, the Bible Belt of South Carolina, so when I hear Christchurch, I assume you grew up in a church. (laughs) Right,
0: right. You grew up in a
1: town called Christchurch.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you can't force the whole of the town to be,
1: um... Right, right.
0: Like, you know there, there are obviously churches here, but it, it's. It, do you know why it's called Christchurch? It's because when it was settled, it was settled by the British, and um, that that's that was their thing at the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. region is called Canterbury, which is also a region in in England, and like it's all, most of the place names here are either um, of British descent or of Maori descent, which is Maori is the um, the native. Uh, Native people here in New Zealand. So, um, when the British settlers came along, they had to kind of um, uh, coexist with the native people here. But when they did build the city of Christchurch, they did make it incredibly British.
1: Mm. So, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <That's-> <laughs>
1: And you, as you mentioned previously, you're surrounded by water in New Zealand, yes. <laughs> um, in the middle of nowhere. So, uh-huh. so first, though, how long have you been playing music? You're a fantastic jazz guitarist. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. I
0: actually, consider myself a jazz guitarist.
1: Oh,
0: that's interesting. Oh <laughs> no,
1: I, I, I apologies.
0: Oh, that's alright. Like I'm flattered that you think that. Um, I, I went to um. I went to school for jazz, but it was uh, I'm trained in vocals, and anything that I play on guitar is just like what a, I learned something in a theory class, and then I decided to apply it to guitar. It Doesn't mean that I had like intensive jazz lessons or anything. <laughs> That's
1: hilarious. Okay, um, and so do you consider yourself wh- like a, a pop artist or a rock? Like, what are you going for? Yeah,
0: I, I would I would say that I'm going for pop, mostly mm-hmm. because I'm looking to. Um, to be in the popular music stream, so rather than call myself a jazz musician, I would rather say that I am a pop musician, um, for the sake of the fact that I like I like pop music and I like very simple four chord songs, mm-hmm. and I like um, I like catchy melodies and like really uh, strong driving hooks, um, and I would like to fit in with the mainstream and I would like to be on the radio and I'd like to have you know like music videos on whatever the music channels are these days. But uh,
1: uh-huh.
0: yeah, that's kind of the goal for the future is to be a pop artist, but to incorporate elements of jazz and incorporate elements of maybe soul and blues and um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all and of I that. I hear
1: that. Yeah. I definitely hear that you're incorporating elements of soul and blues in your music. And that's one of the things that really struck me about you. I, um, as I mentioned to you before, I saw you on Instagram and yeah. uh, I was like, "Oh, she's really great," and uh, then got to see you perform in New York City when you had a little trip here, and and you were playing a wide variety of stuff. You did a, a Maroon Five song, uh, you did a John Mayer song, which, by the way, you were you had done a couple of covers. And I was like, "Oh gosh, I would really love to hear her do a John Mayer song." Based on like how your playing had gone, and you ended on Neon, yeah, uh, and I and I was blown away. Uh, that that this like internal wish came true, but also you did a phenomenal job with it. But there's Dang. this. Oh yeah, it was so fun, and there were these different styles of music. You you even did a song by Blackstreet. You did No Diggity. You know, like how how did you find this music? I mean, like the style of music that you play and and everything. How did some of these songs? These I understand and know that American music makes its way around the world, but how did you know about No Diggity? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no Diggity is a staple. I, it's like it, it even here, everyone knows it. But um,
1: really, that's awesome for yeah, Ten Riley. For sure. That is amazing.
0: R and B is huge here. Hip hop and R and No clue. Big thing. Um. Uh. So when I was growing up in, in the early 2000s um, when I was kind of just starting to go to high school and all of that, um, a lot of the stuff on the radio was um, uh, musicians like of TLC and like Ashanti, J-Lo, um, uh, Destiny's Child, Mm-hmm. All of that kind of R and B was like all over. We we were all over as a country. We loved it, so we we soaked it up. So, um, like I've got a lot of songs in my set that um, that kind of almost pay homage to that time in my life. So I do, oh, okay. a, I do a TLC cover and I do a Destiny's mm-hmm. Child cover and like and Maroon Five was tied into that as well with that song This Love that was like honestly anytime i play it every single person knows all the words and it's oh just yeah i
1: mean even people did the uh it's all right like they the, someone threw that out there uh
0: because yes. of there's that
1: callback moment
0: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um and i yeah. tried to do
1: the and no diggity when you did the well i tried to do the wow wow but no one no one else was on board <laughs> with that
0: Oh, was that you? I think I, I think I picked you out. I think no. I-,
1: I have video of that, and I because <laughs> that was when you did neon, and, uh, uh, and you threw that in there, which is amazing. And I I was like, I'm the only one that knows the well well in this room.
0: <laughs> I was somebody was with that, so thanks for
1: that. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for acknowledging my nerdiness and knowing that, but uh, and actually doing that in the show. Mm, not a
0: problem. <laughs>
1: So that's cool that, like, there's this music that's playing there. Um, I I mean, I had no clue that, uh, I mean, I guess I could imagine a more recent song, like, you know, a Maroon 5 Top 40 hit playing somewhere else. Like, I I get that, but No Diggity being this 90s song, I mean, that's cool that R&B is so big there.
0: Yeah, it is. It's very big. Um, Yeah, hip-hop is huge here. There's a kind of a a subculture that's, um, related to like Pacifica music as well. So in New Zealand, we have a lot of, um, a lot of Tongan, a lot of Fijians, um, Samoans and Maori people as well. And they, um, uh, I think, um, as, uh, as far as hip hop and R&B goes, I think there's like a Pacifica community that's adopted that, um, that kind of genre of music and changed it up a little bit. So we, um, there's, there's kind of a new spin on that and it's kind of um, – it's hard to describe. You'd have to, you'd have to listen to it. But um, it, there's a lot of New Zealand bands that um, that come from that era of, um, of 90s hip-hop that have um, adapted it and turned it into something else and taken elements of reggae and ska music and, um, like, uh, very – uh, very kind of chill, relaxed, but that same kind of like rap driving uh, mm. kind of beat behind it. So um, yeah, it, there's a lot of uh, cool music to come out of New Zealand that um, that I've noticed to come from that kind of um, house genre. Not house, but you know what I mean. Like that uh-huh. the roof, the roof is what I'm trying to say. That kind yeah. of um, yeah, the bass.
1: Umbrella. <laughs>
0: The
1: umbrella, that's the yeah. word that I'm looking for, not house, because that can be taken in a completely different genre. <laughs> yeah. House music, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's really great that there's all these different influences that you're getting to experience there, and you're incorporating that in your music, and I'm not surprised to hear it having seen you perform. And I found <laughs> out about your show because of the Pickup Jazz Instagram account. And, yes. uh, deserve some uh, acknowledgement there because I'd already known about you and uh, and they popped up in the feed and I said oh uh, they got Emily on here what's that <laughs> you know like well, I have Emily Browning on here so I went and saw that you had a show coming I said oh, well I gotta go to that show and mm. then started following that account it's a great account <coughs> to find other uh, really great artists that are out there and uh, they're, they're doing a great job keeping jazz alive Um mm. So you were traveling. Uh, was this your first time to America?
0: Uh, no. So I, ha- I have been to America before a few years ago, but that was for um, a wedding. Not mm-hmm. to do with music at all. I just kind of um, hopped around a little bit and, and then left. But um it is interesting that you mentioned pickup Jazz because um, the guy who who runs that, who curates that, um, his name is Sam Blakelot and he's mm-hmm. from Christ as well. So, um, him and I actually studied at the same, uh, music school, but he went through a few years before I did. So I never actually met him in the flesh here in New Zealand. Oh, um, wow. yeah. So that was, that's, it's an interesting kind of full circle thing because, um, yeah. uh, the whole Instagram buzz started because, um, I, uh, Sam's a songwriter. He writes very cool, um, guitar, songs um Mm -hmm.
1: i've seen his stuff he's good
0: yeah and i i covered his tunes once um just in a little instagram clip and i sent it to him not really thinking much of it i was like oh hey man i I really like this song i've just made a cover of it have it have a look and he's like oh that's so cool i'm gonna share it on the pickup jazz page so this is (laughs) before i had any real followers so as soon as he shared that um on pickup jazz i i managed to grow my following almost like overnight it was ridiculous it was like I got to like a thousand followers in a couple of days and then it just kept uh, like skyrocketing from there so basically I um kind of said to myself well I've got to ride this wave now (laughs) so so what I did was I just kept posting tried to up my game a bit get better lighting better like bought a new phone (laughs) um better yeah better songs and um more singing and stuff so um and that's kind of how the instagram thing started so now it's just kind of snowballed into this big thing that i have no control over really because it's um it's kind of a life of its own Mm -hmm. so so you mentioned that you found pickup jazz and connected the two because that's that's where it all started for me um,
1: oh that's great i did not know that history before you Mm -hmm. just mentioned that because i um I had sort of seen a couple of pickup jazz things, but I hadn't seen. Uh, I didn't realize that there was a connection there, and then until they posted that. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, what precipitated the trip? Over would would the have something to do with you making this trip and doing these shows?
0: Indirectly, yes. So um, after after I kind of realized that this was a serious thing, and like there uh, there were lots of real. Real life people who are interested in my music. Um, I tried to figure out where all these, most of these people were from, and a lot of them uh, were American, so, and especially Los Angeles and New York. So, yeah. um,
1: and you played so, in Los Angeles as well.
0: Yes, I did. So, um, I pretty much said to myself, well, there's so many, so many of these followers in America um, that want to actually see me play. So, why don't I just book a flight? So, I booked, booked my flight. Um, to america and then said right now i have to book some shows because i'm committed now so um ended up playing four shows in total two in new york one in nashville and then one in los angeles
1: grueling tour <laughs> i mean <laughs> you know a lot of people they travel so much they, they might travel all over the country but i mean you have to fly all the way across the world basically yeah. Uh, and then you get here to New York and you have to fly across the country that you just flew flew to. Uh, Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, traveling can be pretty grueling.
0: Yeah, I I I actually got really, really sick in the middle of the um, the whole trip, so um Yeah, the, the yeah. two new york shows were fine but um i was kind of just because new york is such a like busy place it's go 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 and you've got to see all these things and meet up with all these people yep. so i ended up losing a bit of sleep and that kind of wore me down and then i ended up by the time i got to nashville i was um i had the flu and strep throat so
1: oh my goodness <laughs> i didn't know it was that bad
0: yeah it was really it was terrible so um in Nashville, I still decided that I really wanted to play this show, so I did. So I played the Nashville show, but I had to cut it. At, um, I got four songs in, and I had to say, "Look, I'm really sorry. I have to. Um, this is this is where I drew the line." But um, yeah. luckily, I was coming for other bands, so they could um, pick up the sack a little bit and just start a bit earlier. So um, it was mm-hmm. still a lot of fun, and still lots of people showed up and said hello, which was amazing. And, and still-
1: when you have the flu, they understand.
0: They do, yeah, for sure. People were really nice about it, and um, maybe they didn't
1: st- talk to you as closely after the show, though.
0: No, people people keep their distance, which which was really <laughs> good. Um, but apart from that, they still they still wanted to chat and say, "Hey, thanks for coming all this way," which was really lovely, and that made it so worth it for me. So, um, yeah, absolutely no regrets. It was still um, an amazing an amazing time.
1: Yeah, it's tough. You know, touring is tough. There are difficult aspects of being a touring artist. A lot of people don't know. I have some friends who. Who perform and and one of them has been on the show before, his podcast before, and I've seen how it is for them to tour, and they you know they're just in a bus and they're just riding from one place to the next, and and yeah. you really have to learn how to sleep and how to eat, you know. I mean, it's got there're definitely exciting things about it. I'm not trying to act like you know this is it's all sad, but it has its challenges, uh, particularly when you're going to one country to another and you have this other culture as well. Uh,
0: the time zone. <laughs> yeah, the
1: time changes and everything. And then, oh gosh, your sleep is going to be completely out of whack. So yeah. And then when you're on the, the plane, you're around all these people. So you're getting a bunch of germs and you go to New York, yeah. and you're
0: on these people <laughs> on the
1: subway, you know.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so I found... It wasn't that hard for me because I wasn't doing the two of us thing with um, with lots of gear or anything. Um, right. I actually managed to borrow guitars everywhere I went, which was lucky for me because it meant that I didn't have to worry about carrying a guitar everywhere I went and um, mm-hmm. purchasing mm-hmm. that extra luggage. But um, the biggest thing for me was the time zone differences. So uh, getting from New Zealand to New York was, first of all, a, a 26-hour trip, and uh, on top of that I had to um, – Get used to the new time zone, but um, but what I found during the trip was that I got really good at sleeping on planes. So now <laughs> I pride myself on being really good at that. So
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> it was my saving grace, really. <laughs> I
1: heard uh, Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie talk about uh, having to like like bands having to learn how to sleep on the road and how to eat on the mm-hmm. road, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's it's a different ball game, essentially. You
0: really have- think about your next destination, so you've got to set your watch to the new time, mm-hmm. eat and sleep according to that time, so that by the time you get there, you've got that little bit extra prick behind you. <laughs> that's,
1: that's a good tip. And, you know, mm-hmm. comedians have to learn this sort of stuff, too, uh, if they're touring, especially stand-up comics. They tour so much. They have to mm-hmm. learn about, you know, to think about those sort of things. And, uh, I mean, not everybody is, uh, not every stand-up is on a tour bus going from city to city and state to state, but if you are so lucky as a musician or a stand-up, yeah, that's a really good tip. You gotta think about, yeah. oh, that place is an hour behind, or we're going to a place that's two hour what well, two hours yeah. behind what I'm used to. So, yeah, that's a really good tip of just like already putting that uh, that your your watch behind.
0: Yeah, a little bit extra, but it's not <laughs> as if I was. Doing it. It's not like I was yeah. doing everything. Of the of the two weeks that I was there, I had plenty of time in between to rest and recover. So, I mean, I I know that a lot of people have it a lot worse than what I did. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was fun, <laughs> right?
1: And of course, like you know, it's all just the they're all just aspects of being a musician. Uh-huh. Did you have <laughs> any sort of fish out of water experience? Here, you had been to America before, so you'd sort of dipped your toes in it. Uh, at to go to a wedding which must have been exciting and fun but did uh, coming here on this trip were was it just completely different than what you were used to culturally speaking
0: um, no because uh, do you know what's interesting when when we grow up as um, New Zealanders in Australia um, we are surrounded by um, American culture and entertainment mm-hmm. Growing up, so all the movies that we see that come through the cinemas, all the all the music that comes out, and all the um the language and the culture and the uh, yeah, so the entertainment business spreads all over the world. So um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm pretty pretty used to most things, but there, I guess there were a few little things that I did notice when I was over there, especially words that I would say that most people here would would understand what I mean, but over there, no one they go what so, what do you guess? <laughs> <laughs> like um, for example <clears throat> apparently saying i reckon is um, is a southern, a southern thing very
1: southern yeah southern, southern american southern thing people say i, I reckon <laughs> i'll go to the grocery store later you know yeah yeah
0: <laughs> it was so normal here it's just it's not even no one thinks twice about it so um so I, w- I would say that there and people go, oh, you're so cute. You're so southern. Wait,
1: they <laughs> say I reckon all the time in New Zealand?
0: Yeah, I reckon. like, what? Oh, I reckon it's going to rain today, you know? Like,
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. There is yeah. a, a band out of Nashville. Adam Craig, he's a, a country artist. Uh, my buddy, one of my best friends performs with him. He's a bass player. By the well, name of Jim Hendrix, true story. And oh. um, yeah, and they have a song called "I Reckon." Oh, really? so, uh, yeah, you know, so it's like very Southern thing here. But yeah, you get out if I, I'm walking around in Brooklyn. If I was say like "I reckon I'm gonna go uh, to the bodega," <laughs> then people be like, "Well, what are you talking about?" <laughs>
0: well,
1: <laughs> I understood one word you said, and it was bodega. That, like,
0: I had to kind of like maybe stifle that a little bit while I was there, yeah. just to not get the um. Sorry, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's fun. Uh, <laughs> You did a lot. We mentioned you did a lot of covers, um, and uh, it's so cool that you did all those co- covers. I'm fascinated by how a musician can both stay true to the original song but also make it their own. Um, and I, I do <laughs> improv. I do improv comedy, so I think it's because of the correlation for me uh, of uh, that both improv and doing covers as a musician involve taking someone else's idea and elevating it while exemplifying who you are as an artist. I mean, it's like I said, you're doing someone else's work justice, and you're also making it your own. Mm. Uh, I, and I like that. So how do you get to a place as an artist where you can express yourself in someone else's work?
0: Mm. Um, it's interesting being a guitarist and like a solo guitarist and a singer because when I play, especially the acoustic guitar, so um, I've I've grown up playing the acoustic and accompanying myself as a solo kind of person. So what ends up happening when you do that is that um, you strum the chords but you're also kind of um, partially playing the bass notes as well. You're also um, emulating the percussion with your right hand like um, – if you're playing particularly percussively, you can kind of change up the rhythm a little bit. Um, I find that I have these um, two or three really like set rhythms like in, in my stylistic being that just end up coming out no matter how hard I try to not sound like that. Do you know what I mean? So I'll, mm. I'll play a song that um, say, Let's say there's a pop song that's played really straight. I I can't help but put a little swing on it or put a little rhythmic thing into it. And um if someone were to sit down and transcribe exactly what I do, there'll there'll be a certain rhythm that they'll write out and go, This is what you play all the time and I'll go, I'm so sorry. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry to get sick of it. It's just it's just who I am, it's just how I play it. Um Yeah, so it's probably a part of a part of that. So try to incorporate all the different instruments, like um uh so when I did play that this love cover there's mm-hmm. the bass line that goes <singing> mm-hmm. <Ally> so there's that while mm-hmm. doing the comping chords <speaking> <speaking> you've got to um, comp as well as um play the bass line and put a little rhythmic thing onto it so that's the fact that I'm trying to do all three things at once, I'm really trying hard to multitask, somehow manages to put a different sound on the whole thing. So um, when I play all that by myself, it ends up sounding way different than the original anyway because I can't really help it. I, right. Sometimes when I try to play songs in the, the original style, I really struggle because I'm so um, deeply <coughs> ingrained in my own, Feel that I kind of get lost in it sometimes, and I can't get back to being straight or being um being true to the track, which can be a burden in some cases. When you maybe if you're in a covers band or like, and they're like, "Can you just please play it how the track does?" And
1: not
0: like, <laughs> "So yeah, it's an interesting dynamic,
1: really." It's a mark of being your own artist, too, though. You know, I mean, that's I guess that's a good problem to have.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm not complaining whatsoever, and I think um, people <laughs> respond. People respond well to that. Clearly, through especially through the Instagram thing, people mm-hmm. seem to like what I'm doing. So, um, might as well just keep doing it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, a lot of time has been put in in developing the style that you have.
0: Yeah, I've been doing this for a long time, um, and I remember. Uh, Pre Instagram, pre music school, pre all of that. So I, I would always enjoy playing the guitar, but I remember um, I remember learning the song Valerie. Well, sometimes I go I always have that one, um, and I remember kind of strumming it a little bit differently and kind of going, "Oh, that's cool." So I um, kind of stuck with it, and I think I think that's where that whole style kind of started out, trying it, mm-hmm. trying to just do something a little bit different, and then it kind of grew into this big thing. So.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, you mentioned earlier that you didn't travel with an instrument, uh, which is, I think, even something Chuck Berry did. Like, he would buy a guitar for his tour or something like that, and it was also a text write-off. <laughs> I think he said something to that effect. It was in that hell hell rock and roll documentary, and I saw that 10 years ago. So I could be a little <laughs> wrong on those details, but he threw out <laughs> some mention of, of something to that effect. But oh, on wait. the show that I saw you played a guitar you hadn't practiced with, really. You know, it was Uh, someone else's guy. Was it Sam's guitar? Sam's guitar,
0: yeah, Yeah. exactly. I had to get used to it really quickly on the stage.
1: Right, right. And that's one of the things I'm wondering about here because, you know, I'm sure there's somebody out there who's saying, well, one guitar, another guitar, you know, songs are the same. doesn't matter. It's all a guitar. But, I mean, the difference from one electric guitar to another is how the sort of how to generate the specific sounds and effects that you've been used to of course you know this but I'm explaining to those people uh who may maybe don't get it so what i would like to to know about like when you're going into a show with those circumstances uh how do you manage you know like do you, do you just have to improvise with what happens
0: yeah <laughs> so many so many elements that uh, throw you in the deep end completely. So um, being in a new venue every night is is very difficult because you're you're really in the hands of the sound guy. You're in the hands of backline there is. So I never used the amp that I was using before. I don't know how to set the, the thing. So I just kind of picked it up, went that'll do, and <laughs> I just had to go. So um, and I remember. You probably remember this too. I was having trouble trying to figure out which um, which of the like which one was the volume knob, which one was the tone knob, yeah, whether. Yeah. So um, so I kind of had to fiddle around with that a little bit, but then eventually I went. I don't care. We just have to play. So um, <laughs> just sometimes you've got to rely on the tone that comes out of your fingers, not the tone that comes out of the guitar. So um, and it is a different experience, and it can be frustrating not getting the exact sound that that you're used to, but. That's all part of the fun. That's all part of the thing where it's like, okay, so the New York show sounded so different to the LA show because I was with a different guitar, it was a different crowd, it was a different city, it was a different vibe completely, and that's that's what makes it so cool. That's why I have so many um, very specific memories in each city because, you know, um, you're just going to make the most of what you've got and just do it. Like, no point getting stressed out over the details if it just doesn't matter, you know? So, um, yeah yeah Yeah, but you're right, like every guitar is very different and i was prepared for that and like things things went wrong and in, in, in the nashville show as well so there was a big um buzz coming from the amp that was really loud um and the string gauge that was on the strap that i was playing was really thick so i had to quickly like kind of get used to that really thick mm. strings and yeah. play the guitar differently but um
1: yeah, which yeah. a lot of people, if they're not guitarists, they don't realize, like, the different size strings. Mm-hmm. So there's different
0: <laughs> strings, different body shape, different tone, different, like, amounts of, like, grit. So some guitars are really grittier than others. Some are uh, twangier, some are brighter, some are duller. So um, <laughs> you really just – it's a mixed bag. But it by the time I – It have
1: been I, interesting, like, though, to, like uh, – sorry to cut you off, but uh, that's I, right. I just think it must be interesting to when you're – Experiencing that live in the moment to say, "Oh well, uh, how can I utilize that, or how can I just go along with it? Because this is what's going on, and I have no other choice." Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's about that. You literally just have no other choice but to solve it. Wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Incredible! I, I, you were so fun to watch, and uh, you know, you you had a couple of moments where you said, "Like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just." You have know, never practiced this with this guitar before, and we were all like, "Hey, you're doing great. You know, like, <laughs> fine by us."
0: <laughs> yeah, I probably shouldn't, I should get out of the habit of apologizing on stage because people are like, "Shut up, just play the song."
1: know, <laughs> yeah, well, we weren't that way at least. Like, we weren't like, no. oh, "Just get over it." But uh, <laughs> I did get advice once when I was in radio and live radio at that, so mistakes happen and uh i was like being apologetic to the audience and my boss was like yeah don't don't, don't worry about apologizing you know like just just don't ever do that <laughs> like he wasn't <laughs> chastising me but he was just like this just not worth it just keep That's going so
0: i would i would love to get out of that habit because it's like it's unnecessary and it kind of gets, puts a different different aura on you that people are, are viewing you as so um yeah, yeah. It's so true <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it's it it is what it is, and if you just keep trucking through, a lot of people won't notice it, and then a lot of people who notice it will think it was intentional, you know. In some cases, so they're just like, "Oh wow," you know, like this is great. (laughs) Like either way, they're just enjoying it. So, you know, like shed, shedding that for live performers, shedding that apologetic, "Oh, I'm sorry, this is not going well," is the best thing for your performance. Just. Uh, Mm -hmm. really embracing the moment is the best thing you can do yes indeed good advice well well, thank you uh well we've reached the end here usually we create something i don't know what we could create but here's something i do want to know um or or just like get out before we move on uh and in the in the episode what are some of these phrases that are maybe popular here that you're like, what are you talking about? Or are popular in New Zealand, and you were uh-huh. saying it here, and people are like, huh? What is, some- uh, can you uh, think of any? I'm um, amazed that, a, that I reckon is such a, a common <laughs> one there, and I love, I love that. Oh, I
0: don't know. Uh, what is something that they say? Oh, there's so many, I just can't remember on the spot. One of my friends says, um, Oh my Lanta! Oh, like
1: my. as if, like, <laughs> one of your American it? friends says that. Yeah. That's
0: funny.
1: So my Lanta <laughs> like, is. Have you ever heard of my Lanta before? No.
0: The him it's saying a
1: it. product <laughs> here. It's so like. <laughs> <laughs> um. It's It's like. Uh, like uh, I don't think it's headache medicine. It might be like Pepto Bismol or something like. I think it's something like. For like if you have indigestion or something.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And, uh, and I guess people will say like, oh, my goodness or oh, my Lord. And uh, mm-hmm. like the jokey way of having that same moment is to be like, oh, my Lanta.
0: <laughs> I, it's funny that like when you say that, I just because I wasn't brought up in that. Like I missed the reference because I, I don't know the product and like I've exactly. never heard it. Like I just, it completely goes over my head and I just don't get it. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I need to surround myself with people who are saying all the time to go, oh, okay, I kind of I get that context. But there is one thing that we that we say here that um, uh, is, so when you say thank you, you might say cheers, like mm-hmm. hey, cheers for that. Like mm-hmm. it, here it kind of got shortened to um, chur, so C-H-U-R, so if someone, like, if someone passes you, like, a glass of water, you might go, oh, and that's it.
1: Oh, funny.
0: <laughs> Laziest oh. way of is. That's so, a um, New
1: Zealand thing to do.
0: Yeah, oh. I'm not sure it's Australia. I'm pretty sure it's, um, it's New Zealand. Okay. Thank yeah.
1: you. If I'm ever in New Zealand, I'll know to go, like, oh, chill. Did it's I say
0: <laughs> And uh, another thing we do here is... Um, if, if you want to describe something, um, uh, you might put as on the end of it. Oh, that's cool as. Like, that's sweet as. And you just don't finish the sentence. So, um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <I like that. laughs> like,
0: yeah, yeah. I've said it a few times before out of habit in America, and they go, cool as what? Sorry, oh, sorry, sorry, finish. And. <laughs> and and
1: I go, that's it. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Because, like, here you'll hear a lot of people say, um, oh, it's cold as hell outside. It's like, well, yeah. technically <laughs> it can't be cold. It's,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> it's at 100 degrees outside. Oh. Uh, <laughs> is that what you But saying? I saying <laughs> cool as and then not ending it reminds me of, when uh, people would say, "I was about to say," like that's a a common phrase in some parts of America, it was like, "I was about to say," and then they don't say anything else. And I was uh, <laughs> talking to this, uh, uh, my best friend, his little sister, who's like a sister to me. When we were when she was quite young, so she was very literal. Uh, she was elementary school age, and I she said something. I was like, "Well, I was about to say," and then I didn't finish it. Like cool as and she said uh-huh. what were you about to say <laughs> sweet sweet
0: uh right up on that she saw right through you i mean hang on <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly uh, that little third grader well there it is thank you so much for being on the podcast you are fantastic
0: you're welcome thanks for having me and um, it's been a, it's been my pleasure What a
1: fun chat, right? And it was probably pretty easy to listen to such a good accent, right? New Zealand accent. Pretty great. Uh, (laughs) Big thanks to Emily for coming on the podcast. I hope you learned something from it. I certainly did. I I loved that discussion, so I'm really glad that I got to share it with you. If you want to find out more about her or see her work, you can go to YouTube. Just look up Emily C. Browning, and you will find her channel, and you can just subscribe to that Also, I mentioned, I saw her on Instagram, Emily C. Browning. Uh, If you go to Facebook or Twitter and you search for emily.c.browning, you will find her. So go to both and uh, like her page, follow her page. She's great. Don't forget you can follow us too on Twitter and Facebook at ThereItIsPod and me on Twitter at JasonFarJokes and me on Instagram at Jason Farr Picks. Well, folks, until next time, be good to each other.